One of the questions I regularly receive is, Pastor, are we entering into the last days, the end times? Well, I don't know precisely what the answer to that question is, but I do know this. The Bible gives followers of Jesus clear instruction about how we're to behave as the end times approach. Let's talk about that today. Jesus didn't spend a lot of time answering curious questions about the last days, but in Matthew chapter 24, he delivers what we call the Olivet Discourse. The disciples have come to Jesus when he made mention about the destruction of the temple, and they said, can you tell us about that age, the, the time uh, when, when things are gonna shut down, when the world wraps up? Can you tell us about what to look for? And so in this discourse in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus does just that. He talks about what's coming. And I wanna read a few verses here and see if I can't give you some indications about how we are to approach the days that are clearly in front of us. Let's look at this. In Matthew chapter 24, they've come and they've said, what is the sign of your coming at the end of the age? And in verse four, Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ and they'll mislead many people. And you'll be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. But in all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. So Jesus says there's going to be wars, there's going to be rumors of wars. The world will feel like it is coming apart. Natural disasters will uh, either increase or the awareness of those disasters will increase. Clearly, we know globally about things that happen today in a way that the church couldn't know 2,000 years ago. But Jesus says don't panic because this is just the beginning of what will become the last days, the end times. But then he begins to talk about how that unfolds, particularly for his people. And, and, and here's the first thing that I want to say about this. We have people, there's an entire cottage industry within Christianity uh, devoted to end time prophecy and, and answering the curiosity questions of timelines and, and sequence of events. and and political events, what nations will fall, and, and, and what nation is gonna do what. And, and the thing is, Jesus was never that concerned about the political turmoil of the end times. His focus was always on his people. And so as we begin to talk about how we should behave in the last days, the first thing that we've gotta remind ourselves is, it's not a fascination with the rise and fall of nations. It's not a fascination with political events. Our focus needs to be on the church. Our focus needs to be on those who are following Jesus, on those who need to hear about Jesus. Right away, we understand that we have to uh, break our addiction to mainstream media and find our way back to the things that Jesus prioritized, which were the health, the well-being, the, 
the success spiritually of his followers. Now, this is what he has to say. He says, the wars, the natural disasters, that's a hint of what's unfolding. But then he begins to talk about what we will see. He said, then they will hand you over to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. And at that time, many will fall away and they will betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will rise up and mislead many people. And because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will become cold. But the one who endures to the end is the one who will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Let me talk to you about what Jesus is telling us here about our approach to these last days. The first thing that I would recommend is don't look back. You see, as the world dissolves, we're tempted to try and sort of shore up everything. There is right now, I think, in the evangelical world, a kind of grieving process that's taking place because the world that we knew is no more. I mean, you can talk about all kinds of current events, but, but whether it's uh, uh, political leadership or, or drag queens in the children's sections of libraries or uh, the, the radical agenda to mutilate young men and women physically so that they can fit into some ideological agenda of sexual identity, what, whatever it is you want to talk about, there is this malaise, this feeling that the world is coming apart at the seams. Our natural impulse is to push back and, and try and preserve what we once had, to sort of return to the idyllic days of the 1950s when Eisenhower was in office playing golf every day and, and the country just seemed to run on autopilot. Those days are gone and they're not coming back. So let's not look back. Let's look forward because while it seems like the world is disintegrating, the fact is this is a necessary part of the process of restoration and recreation that God has promised, not just for his people, but for a new heaven and a new earth. But in the same time that we don't look back, I don't want you to go silent. This is the time for us to bear witness to Jesus. This is the time for us to be outspoken about truth. Because while you may say, well, I've got my ticket to heaven punched, if you're still breathing in and out, you're here because you're not supposed to go to heaven by yourself. There's an obligation that God calls us to. In fact, Jesus says, when they do come for you, don't fret about what it is you're gonna say when you're, when you're faced with uh, with an inquisition, with persecution, because I'm going to give you by my spirit the words to say. He says, I'm going to make you the generation that I chose to be here in those last days. I'm going to give you the words to make you effective to the moment. You see, the reality is none of us were born at the wrong time. We were sovereignly chosen to be the people of God in this historical moment, which means that it is our role 
under the direction of the Spirit that lives in us to be the representatives of Jesus in this generation in a way that fulfills the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. We're to go to all the world and make disciples and baptize them and teach them to observe everything that Jesus commanded. And we're to love God and then love our neighbors as ourselves. Here's what you need to understand. When he talks about how they're going to arrest you, they're going to come for you, they're going to persecute you, that's not just a picture of the future. That's a picture of our future. What you need to understand is, however the elections in November, the midterm elections this year, however they unfold, whatever happens in 2024, the reality is our current leaders don't just disagree with our beliefs and our practices. They find our belief system repulsive. We had a president just announce that a third of the total population of this country was, in his mind, a threat to our way of life. I've never seen a president in my lifetime talk about that high a percentage of his people that he's responsible for in those kinds of terms, in terms of speaking about the enemy. That's not just politics. That's not just Democrats and Republicans. That is a spiritual reality that comes from the fact that the agenda of the enemy, whoever, humanly speaking, is involved in implementing that agenda, the agenda of the enemy is to hate those who follow Jesus. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what Jesus tells us in John chapter 10. And so what we need to understand is it's, we should expect this kind of opposition, but that should be our motive to not buckle under and instead to speak. He goes on to tell us it's not going to only be the political opposition that comes at us, but it will come not just from outsiders, but also from insiders, church members, and family members. It's interesting, he says in this, in this passage, he says, um, at that time, many will fall away. That refers to people who are church attenders, who will say, it's not worth the struggle to swim upstream against the dominant culture of the day. They will fall away. But what's fascinating is it says they will fall away and they will betray one another. One of the interesting things is that the most severe persecution of the church in previous generations happens from those who leave the church and join the other side. It's almost like destroying the church is necessary to validate their, uh, their abandonment of the church. We're to expect this. It's not just the politicians that are going to come after us. It's going to be people who have faithfully attended church for their whole lives who are going to step up one day and they're going to try in order to gain favor, in order to ease their transition into these difficult days, they're going to leave the church and try and position themselves as closely to the persecutors as they can. And they will in fact become the persecutors of those who remain faithful in the church. Why am I telling you this? Because I don't want you to be surprised. We are to bear witness. Don't go silent in those last days. 
Well, for those who do buckle under the pressure, it's what the Bible in other places calls the great apostasy. That's coming. You say, well, is that the last days? No, we're still progressing to the last days. But this is something for us to expect and to be aware of. Those who buckle to persecution instead become persecutors. Cowardly church members will blame faithful Christians for the persecution of the culture. They'll say things to us like, well, if you wouldn't be so provocative, if you would just go along, if, if you weren't so contrarian and reactionary, if you were nicer, you wouldn't be in this mess. I already hear evangelical leaders saying, if we were just, just sweeter to the culture, they would like us. No, they're never gonna like us. Jesus said to expect it. Arrests and trials aren't unfortunate deviations from our mission. That is our mission. Persecution is not a defeat. Persecution is a part of the process that God is using to bring the world back to where it needs to be. Our witness isn't safe, and it's not the way of survival, but it is the way of victory. To follow Jesus, no matter what comes. The Bible never tells us that we are to survive the world. It tells us that we are to overcome the world. Well, don't look back. Don't stay silent. Don't hoard things. Listen, it's one thing to stock up because shelves might run out of items. But if stocking up is an expression that you adore your comforts and conveniences, if our incredible wealth as American citizens, if our hunger for distracting entertainment uh, pulls us to the place where we are willing to tolerate corruption, to live with evil and decay, just so long as we can keep our Netflix subscription, we're doing our faith wrong. When crisis looms, it is our instinct to hoard. Something happens internationally, and what do we do? We run out and buy toilet paper. Listen, we need goods. We need to save and, and store for unexpected realities. But are we storing those goods so that we can live in a bunker in our backyard and isolate ourselves from the world, or do we store up so that we can share and minister to those who have real needs. Churches ought to begin to add line items in their budget that says aid to the persecuted. There's a time where we face apocalypse not by hoarding our clothes, but by buying clothes to provide for the naked, by stocking up on food in order to feed the hungry, by not storing up treasures on earth, but building our treasure trove in heaven. Don't hoard and don't retreat. Serve and expect that Jesus is going to come through for us. In the current cultural and political climate, we need to cultivate purposeful Christian communities. We need to train our children in discipleship. We need to have members who build up one another, who correct one another, who encourage one another. Churches should not exist just to perpetuate their programming. 
Jesus came to save the, the world, and the church is his body. That is our mission. Every church in the country is surrounded by needs. No matter whether you are a rural church, an urban church, a suburban church, find out the needs around you and make the church indispensable to the community. Martin Luther King Jr., sometimes controversial in his own way, he said this. These words are not biblical, but they almost could be. Speaking to those who persecuted, who threatened, who practiced violence against him and his followers, Dr. King said these words, We shall match your capacity to inflict suffering by our capacity to endure suffering. We shall meet your physical force with soul force. Do to us what you will and we shall continue to love you. We cannot in good conscience obey your unjust laws because non-cooperation with evil is as much an oral, a moral obligation as is cooperation with good. Throw us in jail and we shall still love you. Send your hooded perpetrators of violence into our community at the midnight hour and beat us and leave us half dead and we shall still love you. But be assured that we will wear you down by our capacity to suffer. One day we shall win freedom, but not only for ourselves, we shall so appeal to your heart and conscience that we shall win you in the process, and our victory will be a double victory. The ancient church used to say that it was the blood of the martyrs that was the seed of the church. It is Christianity that lives faithfully in the face of opposition that wins the day. Serve and expect to transform the community around your church. One writer by the name of Rodney Stark has argued that this is exactly how the early church transformed the cities of the Roman Empire. Christians welcomed strangers. They provided social and financial capital to those who were displaced. They nursed the sick. We don't just respond to evil. We overcome evil, and we do it with good. Expect to win. The days ahead are going to be difficult, but it is not our call to dig a hole and hide. It is our call to refuse despair, to advance. Our sights are too narrow if we think that just surviving is what this is all about. The big story is about the kingdom of God reclaiming creation, and we are soldiers on the front lines of the battle. Don't be satisfied to survive. Trust in the promises of God. No difficult days are coming, but we are the people of God, the followers of Jesus Christ, and we win. Do not shy away from the difficulties of the days ahead. You are not born out of time. You were born precisely for this moment. Go put Jesus on display in the face of any and all opposition. We stand in a legacy of heroes and martyrs who have done that before us. Let us keep the faith to the very end. This is Truth Currents. Thank you.